Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Why Won't You Hire Me, the job-searching podcast that tackles unemployment from the point of view of people who are already living it. I'm Martin Schneider, your unemployed employment specialist. Thank you all so much for supporting the show and listening and sharing with your friends, and thank you to everyone who's shown support by subscribing or reviewing on iTunes or any other medium. Don't forget that you can follow us on Twitter at Podcast. Or email us if you'd like to be on the show or have any questions at hiremepodcast at gmail.com. Before we get started, I have a few updates and announcements, since it's been a while since our last show. First, we have our first pair of Why Won't You Hire Me success stories. You may remember Esme Gaysford, who was looking for data analyst positions back when we launched the show in August. Well, I'm happy to announce that she is now the senior quantitative data analyst at Pandora Media. That's right, Pandora, like the internet radio company. Congratulations to Esme, and in addition, Maggie Douglas, who you might remember from our last episode, is now working in quality assurance at eRelevance, a marketing startup in Austin, Texas. Second, I want to tell you about our new sponsor. Look, looking for work on your own can be tough, and sometimes it pays to have an expert in your corner. That's where Resume to Interviews comes in. Resume to Interviews is a group of certified professional writers and career coaches that offer a whole host of services which will improve your applications and spice up your job hunt, including resume writing, cover letter detailing, interview prep, and LinkedIn profile optimization. I will personally vouch for the work that Resume to Interviews is doing. They give you the edge that you need in order to set yourself apart from the dozens, if not hundreds, of other applicants that are going for the jobs that you want. And right now, if you go to ResumeToInterviews.com and use the promo code HIREME at checkout, that's one word, H-I-R-E-M-E, you can receive 10% off all non-packaged orders. That's ResumeToInterviews.com, promo code HIREME. Last week was Thanksgiving here in the U.S., and I know that this time of year can be rough for people who are on the job hunt. You may have sat down with relatives and had to answer the well-meaning question, So how's the search going? Or perhaps the more blunt, Did you find a job yet? Maybe you felt a little guilty. You might have lied to some of your relatives. Maybe you felt a little judgment thrown your way across the table. It's hard to explain the current situation to relatives, especially older ones who may believe that finding a job is supposed to be easy, walk into an office with a resume and a handshake. Maybe they don't understand what it is you actually do. After all, most of us have jobs now that didn't exist 5, 10, 20 years ago. Plus, hiring typically slows down around this time of year, so you might have less to report. What I'd like to encourage you is not to let their misconceptions make you feel worse about yourself. The end of the year is when people are feeling reflective about what they've experienced, and they may be open to thinking about experiences in a new way. People are taking stock of their achievements, and they're feeling thankful for what they've gotten done with the year, or the gifts that they've been given. Me, personally, I look at where I was three months ago and what I'm doing today, and I'm actually thankful for losing my job when I did. Sure, I was panicked at the time, but once I stabilized my economic situation... My unemployment, along with a solid support system and a very, very understanding partner, has allowed me to explore new options for myself, given me time to pursue new hobbies, to look into jobs really effectively and find what I don't want, and given me the chance to produce things like this show. I don't have much spare time and money, but when I do, I'm free to invest it in myself. And look, I realize that that statement comes from a position of extreme privilege, and if you tune into this podcast for job-seeking advice, you might be a little disappointed by the touchy-feeliness of this episode. But I want you to know, no matter what, 
You can always look at where you've been and where you are and be grateful for your accomplishments, even if your biggest accomplishment is surviving. Look, if you're here right now listening, I'm also thankful for you and what you've done and what you've accomplished and what I know you're going to do in the future. Happy holidays, friends. My guest today is Rachel Drain, host of the podcast Putting Out with Rachel, a show about self-exploration and putting yourself out there to expand your comfort zone. We'll be talking about some of the positives of unemployed and how instability can actually lead to amazing things. I think you're going to like this. And now, here's Rachel. Okay, my guest today is Rachel Drain from the podcast Putting Out with Rachel. Uh, Rachel is my first Philadelphia interview, actually. Woo woo! I'm Philly based, but everybody else we've had on here is all over the country, so you're my first local person. Yes. You wrote an amazing article that we'll get into in a little bit on Technically Philly, for those of you who aren't Philly natives. Technically Philly is kind of the, like, blog that is the hotspot of the philadelphia tech scene and you wrote an article two weeks ago and i'll just say the headline of it Mm -hmm. how can employers improve the job hunt and then in quotes please just have some goddamn empathy (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh and that's gonna play well with this with this audience all right so rachel you were formerly a qa engineer you're looking into like tech writing qa project management anything else what 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 are you applying to right now uh, yeah, uh, I think that's, those are mostly the roles I've been applying for, uh, QA, project management, tech writing, account management, that sort of thing. Yeah. So run me through your, your CV real quick. Just give me a quick background. Uh, sure. So, um, I actually went to school for, uh, music ed. After that, I worked at Rosetta Stone for a year, uh, in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And, and then after that, I taught high school for a year and then realized I never wanted to work in the public school system ever again. I wanted to move back north. And so I reached out to a friend who was working at a company in Conshohocken, so Philly suburb. And she thought that she could help me get a job to help facilitate the move back. And so that was the beginning of my both tech career and QA career. So I started as a QA engineer, um, pretty much exclusively like manual testing. And then I was at that company for sort of like three and a half slash four years um they laid me off on my birthday yeah that was that was a fun that was a fun day um not 
this, it was the beginning of 2017, but then they gave me this opportunity and a few other people to work with a new partner that they were onboarding. And then maybe that partner would end up hiring us. And so that did happen. So I kept working for like the original company, but with a new company, still doing QA, but I started also taking on some more like project management stuff, training new clients on like the platform. And then eventually I landed in a digital marketing agency in Fishtown, Philly. Pretty small, definitely the smallest uh, company I had worked for, about 30 people or so. And uh, yeah, I was brought on to sort of just like install QA. Like they didn't have any internal QA resources up until that point. So I was there to sort of digest what was going on in their overall process and then figure out what needed to change, what could be better, uh, just getting everyone on the same page as far as QA goes. But then I was also uh, roped into onboarding everyone onto the new ticketing system they were trying. They were getting off of Trello and they wanted to get onboarded to target process, which was completely new for me as well. And so I was also then tasked with um, onboarding the entire company onto that. Yeah. And then, yeah, (laughs) then I'm here. In this article that you wrote on Technically, there's, like, some very, very, very poorly disguised bitterness here uh, in this intro. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that you were necessarily trying yeah. to hide it. Um, no. And <laughs> I, I, I normally ask people, like, how many they've places they've applied to and uh, what they've been doing. But you actually list it out right here. I'll just read it out. Uh, so 29 weeks, 50 applications, 14 phone screens, 6 on-site interviews submitted four projects and of those you've only received 11 like rejections where people actually emailed you said sorry no and as of two weeks ago now six you know so it's now been a couple of weeks since you wrote this zero offers correct yes that's correct so all of those numbers except for the offer number have gone up so just for an update and and (laughs) honestly you're actually a pretty good rate of return honestly 50 applications and 14 phone screenings like that's mm-hmm. that's a pretty good rate honestly you're you're so it's it's not your application i suppose so what actually yeah. what what does that tell you what do you think that indicates to you hmm um i mean i i, I there the main i guess um barrier that I have found in looking for QA work specifically is that everyone is tending to um, gear towards automation, which is great and it's cool and it's um, a fantastic tool, but it's something that I personally don't have that much um, expertise in, nor um, do I have that much interest in doing that much automation because it's basically writing scripts, um, for the most part. And so that tends to be like the big red flag for companies, especially if I'm looking for a specific QA thing. So I know I've been weeded out, um, many times just because of that. It's, it's been, it's been so, it's been so frustrating just because I, I have had a fair number of, these phone screens, but it just, it feels like everything just falls flat 
like there's so much promise and hope and then like either I'm strung at, uh strung along for a few months or I just like never hear from them again it's yeah that's been... And so that was kind of the inspiration for you to write this article uh I I won't go through all six of them because you know people can read it for themselves but yeah. uh one of them you say try not to string candidates along uh, oh dear God! Yes. Yeah. So, can you expound on that one a little bit more? Because you just mentioned it. You said you yeah. said you submitted how many projects? Like six projects? Oh, something like that. There was, uh, yeah, um, a company that shall remain nameless. I uh, this was one of the ones that w- that sort of strung me along. Uh, I think it, the whole thing from like um, me applying to them saying we're pulling the wreck. So we're not even going to be hiring for this at all anymore. Um, was about like two and a half months. Um, within that time, I had multiple phone screens. I had to complete a few tests. Um, I had to create a like um, screencast, so a, a video, um, basically teaching a new thing, and um, a few other things. I. I, it's all escaping me now because um, I'm, tr- I'm trying to block out the experience. Uh, and then also as well as an on-site interview. And then and then even after I interviewed, they asked me to do a few more things and it just kept getting pushed. And I there was a lot of or- disorganization going on or I don't know, but there there were a lot of flaws, I think, on their end. And it ended up with me just sort of sitting on my thumbs hoping cuz cuz it was something that i was really interested in but um yeah nothing really came of that and then there was also an uh i think actually the first company i applied to when i was laid off back in april of this year um the first company i applied to sort of they like took a month between, like, each interaction with me, so um, there were a few times where I just sort of had written them off, and then out of out of the blue, they would contact me again and, like, bring my hopes back up, and so I think I, yeah, I might still technically be um, being considered by them, but I, I don't know. I haven't heard from them in Are a while. Are those kind of the, uh, the worst experiences you've had through this? process for the past couple of you've been this is what seven months you've been uh looking for work yeah going about seven months um those are up there for sure um there are definitely it's it there's something there's something especially frustrating um like it's it's one thing to not get the job and to know like oh someone was more qualified or just a better fit but it's especially frustrating at least for me to know that or to hear that the position has just been uh scrubbed and we just changed our minds. Yeah, it's just like I and 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 like sometimes like if it was a startup like stuff works really quickly in startups and happens really quickly. And so I understand needs changing, but like if it's something that, you know, you've, they've been planning for multiple months and then my interview process was multiple months and it just ended up being pulled all together is, is that was one, that's one of the most frustrating things. I had an experience a couple of years ago where I had applied for a position 
with a, I'm going to say mid-sized startup. Mm -hmm. And I did a phone interview with one person. I did an in-person interview with that same person. He assigned me to like build a presentation, like kind of a sample of my work. Uh, so I basically built like a one hour presentation complete with PowerPoint and I hate PowerPoint. <laughs> uh, and I built this and I submitted and I didn't hear back for several weeks. And I kept asking about, Hey, this project I sent you, was it up to code? Mm -hmm. And what I eventually found out was that the guy that I had interviewed with that had been in charge of doing this hiring during that period of time left mm. and they left the company did, took a different job so i spoke to the person who was now in charge of hiring for that position and they basically told me yeah i disagree entirely with what that person said was the kind of person that we should have in this job oh, geez. so bye oh gosh they just changed their mind on the job description entirely uh great <laughs> fantastic after i had put in you know several hours of work and honestly like you're doing work oh yeah i don't I, I i'm honestly not sure how it is legal to ask somebody to do work before you give them a job uh yeah that's that's i don't know i i um that actually reminded me i think i do mention it in the article as well but um i had multiple times where managers hiring managers just people who were crucial to the the hiring of whatever role i was going for um had to go away had to um decided to go away on vacation for some of that time yeah. and it's just like the planning like <laughs> you mentioned that in the article you say please don't put a candidate's pause process on pause for someone to go on vacation and that's so specific that i felt it had to have been true uh, like it had to come from experience and the fact that it's happened multiple times like either the hiring process is way too drawn out and y'all need to fix that or like you need to plan better and be organized because like this is important it's important for like hiring and and filling a a uh, position in a company is important like obviously for the the candidate but for the company too like you want to onboard that person sooner rather than later i would assume and and we're recording this at the beginning of november so it's just going to get worse for the next two months <laughs> until about january 8th oh great perfect <laughs> yeah. but let's talk about the last one the biggest one number six please just have some goddamn empathy oh yes please all right so i feel like everybody listening uh, understands what that means, yeah. but go ahead and expound a little bit so we can have some solidarity. What, yeah. what, what prompted you to write that? And then for it to become the headline <laughs> of the entire article. Um, yeah, actually, I, I, um, the editor, actually, he just recently moved on. Um, so the previous editor, uh, chose that as the, the, uh, like subtitle of the article. And I was, I was so, I was so happy that he liked that. Um, but yeah, I, the piece really started as a way to, vent. Like, really, I was just having all of these negative experiences. I was having to put up with all this BS. Um, and I, 
uh, yeah, I just, I, I, I write to get stuff out. And so I, I just wrote out like all of my bad experiences. And that was sort of an underlying thing that I felt was lacking was empathy, um, from wh- whoever is, you know, doing the hiring or whoever's, you know, interacting with the candidates. I, I think it can be easy for the, I'm just going to call them like the employed, um, to, to sort of shirk candidates or like to not treat them as like, as important, um, work or like as an important thing to, um, like an important relationship to foster, um, they just sort of see it as more work that they have to do, just like, like busy work, whatever. And it's not like, like on my end, it's like my livelihood, like my life, like financial security and all this stuff. Like there's a lot on the line and, and it's, yeah, it's just, you never know what's, what, someone who's looking for a job is going through and it takes a lot to just continually have to put yourself out there and receive rejection after rejection or even sometimes worse just silence and and just having that and then you know people I I mean, it ties into the other things that we were talking about, like people not responding to you in a timely manner, people going on vacation, people, you know, just being disorganized about it all and all that, all of that, all of the above. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Saying uh, they should check their employment privilege. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I hadn't, hadn't thought of it in that way, but uh, yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit of that for sure. (laughs) So what is something you've, you've been in a lot of interviews. Mm. What is a question that you wish someone would ask about? What's something you want to talk about? And you feel like you don't get enough opportunities. Oh man. What don't I talk about enough? Uh, I feel, I get the feeling that there's not a whole lot you don't talk about. (laughs) I mean, that's true. I, I actually, the, um, I have started, <laughs> this is bad, but I'm getting into a like really jaded point in my job, uh, search, but, uh, I've started <laughs> philosophizing at people when they ask me the like, where do you see yourself in five years question? Because I hate that question so much. Not just because of like, I hate having to come up with an answer or I hate whatever. I just think it's, for me, it's, it's, it's not a fave. And I know I'm answering the complete opposite question of what you know what that's fine perfect that's fine (laughs) and i that's how this show goes you are not interviewing for a job with me so you can say whatever you want fantastic um and yeah so i i've told a few potential employers like you know i'm not really a great like huge fan of this question for so-and-so reasons which are basically like I, I think it's great to have general ideas of where you want to go in life. What, like, what, uh, what gets you excited? What, um, what you are drawn to. But I have found personally that when I have very specific goals, especially for my career, when I have those specific goals, I become a lot more myopic. Like, I don't tend to see other opportunities that could come up. And then if I, 
On the other hand, if I don't hit those specific goals, then I am sort of at a loss. Like I've, I've definitely experienced that before where I had like a very specific thing. It was actually with my music ed career. I forever was going to be a band teacher and I knew that. And that was the one thing I was going towards for so many years. And then when that became a not option, uh, I had no, I had no idea what to do with myself. So, um, yeah, that is an answer to something you didn't ask. That, 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 that is an answer to a question. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm not sure that it's the answer to my question. It isn't. Because uh, I talk about everything. I, I seriously am an open book. I, yeah, so, whoops. What does your job search consist of? Uh, I'm assuming, you know, the usual suspects, LinkedIn, Indeed, etc. Mm-hmm. Have you like gone to job fairs? Are you going to like any of the trainings or any of the like meetups or anything like that? What uh, what are you? What does your job search consist of, basically? Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, much to my chagrin, LinkedIn. Um, and it's the worst. It's so bad. I don't know how it is possible to be the worst social media when some of them are like. <gasps> founded by actual nazis but it is the worst Uh, uh, yeah i could yeah um whole nother episode but um that indeed uh been using technically uh philly a lot um definitely trying to you know work my network um so asking people if they know of things which has has gotten me a lot of opportunities and probably um, more phone screens um, slash in-person interviews than I would have um, if I didn't know anyone. I am not super... I'm not great at the whole networking thing, like going to a thing, going to a meetup um, for the express purpose of networking. Uh, I don't know... I haven't really examined this too much. I think I think it it feels for some reason it feels icky to me. Um and also like, you know, it's a small community like the Philly tech scene. Um and sometimes I don't want to not know who's going to be in the room. If that makes sense. The networking thing, too, I think it's also, and this is just what all of my female friends and colleagues have told me, I feel like there's a gendered aspect to it as oh, well. Oh, for sure. I think I think a networking uh, event, it sucks for everyone, mm-hmm. but it's definitely different for me than it is for you, yes. right, walking in there. Because worst case scenario, someone's just not interested in talking to me. For you, worst case scenario is you got to play that game of, are you interested in helping my career, or are you trying to... Like, are you hitting on me? What? Yes. <laughs> yes. No, I, I, that's so true. And something that I, you know, I wasn't even thinking about flashback to a, one of the first in-person interviews I had for, uh, during this, this most recent job search, my current one, there was like a weird vibe I was getting from the, the male manager. Um, like he walked me to my car once, like unnecessarily so, and like winked at me during one of the interviews. And it was just, uh, anyway, yeah. Winked at you? Yeah. He winked? I mean, he was a he was a, a nice, he seemed very friendly and, and, but I don't know, like a wink is, 
That's gross. It's a time and a place. It's gross. <laughs> it's gross. I don't. I never know how to respond to winks unless they're like sarcastic or um, weird looking. Like, yeah. like you shouldn't know how to respond to a wink because a wink isn't really a thing that anyone should ever do. Yeah. Unironically, correct. Regarding networking, I've always found them a little gross. I don't like networking in these events because I always feel myself like I'm asking strangers for favors. Mm-hmm. That's the like approach that I've always felt, and it's always felt really awkward and and gross to me. Yeah, but then then somebody else kind of reformatted that for me uh, and kind of changed my perspective on it by explaining that it's really more like um, giving someone an opportunity to be helpful. Hmm. Generally, people like helping other people. Generally, people like having the feeling of oh, I did good for this person, especially with somebody that you've like had a short conversation with sure. and you know mm-hmm. so uh when you reframe it in that manner where you're just giving somebody an opportunity to get that feeling to get that little dopamine rush mm-hmm. uh i think that that's a helpful reframing for that sure. and it makes it feel a little bit less icky yeah no uh, i like that and, and most of the time people are people are generally willing to help you out yeah that's yeah I, i've definitely found that for sure um there have been uh, like a few people who have really like championed me uh, for a, a variety of roles and just for um, my overall search and and that's been uh, touching and and surprising at the same time. Tell us about your podcast, Putting Out with Rachel. Oh, I don't mind if I do. Um, so I started it actually uh, about a month month or so into uh, my unemployment because a friend actually recommended that I I try it out as a part of um, submitting to Gimlet's casting call that they just recently did. Um, And I am someone who needs a project to be working on. Like, I do better when there's more on my plate. Um, And so this sort of filled that um, and it is basically about trying new things, uh, putting, pushing, you know, the, your, yourself outside your limits, push, um, outside of your comfort zone. And in doing so, then like learning more about yourself as well as the world around you. Um, and I also think it's just a, a vital form of self care for me. Um, and hopefully others as well. Um, I just, I, I've always been someone who has had a lot of interests and for most of my life, I guess, as being a musician, I was sort of taught that like, you need to be a master, like you need to be amazing at this one thing. Like you keep trying, like get your 10,000 hours of practice or whatever in, um, and so, like, being okay at a bunch of random stuff and not really great at, like, the one thing was sort of, um, it was sort of, sh- like, it was, I, I don't know. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. Yeah. And I, so I recently sort of accepted and, um, acknowledged that I have a lot of 
varying interests and I want to explore them all. And if I don't continue with an interest, that's okay. Like I learned something from it and I'm taking that into my next experience and that will, you know, better inform me for what I want to do next or what I want to, you know, bring to other parts of my life. And so pretty much every episode I profile a new thing that I am trying out. Um, for the most part, it's been me. Um, so there's been, we talked about baking. There's been, um, pole dance was the first one and is something I, I'm still doing. Um, uh, beer brewing. So home brewing. Um, I looking at my list up here, uh, I did the Philly naked bike ride. I tried tarot card reading, um, all sorts of things. So I actually just wrapped on my first season. So taking a few months to, uh, assess and, and plan for season number two. You, you said at the beginning of that, you mentioned that, uh, this podcast, this project of yours, which is actually a bunch of little mini projects, which I think is cool, basically came about after a month after your unemployment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can relate to that. You're on a show that started because of that. Hey! Uh, I definitely understand that, like, need to... It, it helps to fill your days, right? Sure. Because one of the big problems of being unemployed is suddenly you have so much time on your hands. Mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned that you wanted to talk a little bit about... um the positive sides of being unemployed you mentioned that uh and i i guess i guess the positive of this is that you have this this opportunity to create a great podcast by the way i really like putting out thank you yeah um yeah i think that's that's definitely been a i guess call silver lining of this whole thing is it's probably not something i would have invested my time into like uh, getting started because it it takes it takes a, a good amount of time um to produce a podcast all by yourself um and so so yeah that was that was definitely a positive thing um i more recently now that I am off, um, like my unemployment benefits have, um, ceased to exist. Um, so now I, I'm sort of having to, I don't know, it's like a new phase of my unemployment. And I've noticed that I am becoming more aware of the, of like what, where my money's going. Not that I wasn't before, but I think like, um, just having more of a sense of that and, and sort of identifying waste in my life, like stuff that I don't need to be spending money on, things that I might have, you know, bought when I had a steady income that like I don't need and, you know, probably don't need in the future when I, hopefully have gainful employment again. Um, so it's just, it's sort of like shifting focus. It helps me gain more perspective, um, for people who are in similar situations who, you know, um, are in the most stable 
financial situation. Um, and that's, and that's, that's good for me. That's good. I think it's, it's always good to, to gain new perspective, new insights. Um, what else? Yeah, I guess time, it, it, it's, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of a weird thing with the time though. And I don't know if, if this has been your experience at all. Um, but for a while, I mean, I've been walking dogs now for uh, like three weeks. Um, so that tends to eat up a significant amount of time. But, um, before I sort of felt weird ever like relaxing. Like I felt like I always had to do something like I, like, and I don't know if this is like an unemployment stigma thing or like, I, I felt like I always had to be being productive it's it's kind of an american capitalist oh for sure yeah Yeah, definitely that definitely but i i I guess i also felt like you know if i wasn't applying to things like 24 7 and if i wasn't you know networking or whatever if i if i wasn't like actively doing something to find a job i felt like I was slacking. And I mean, this is my own stuff for sure. But, um, so it, it sort of, for a while, it was, it was hard for me to navigate having all that time and still like allowing myself to rest, to goof off, to play, like, cause everyone is entitled to that, um, no matter what your employment status is. Um, so that was, that was an interesting thing to navigate. But now that I sort of have a sense of that and that I've, you know, sort of worked through that, um, it has, you know, the flexibility has allowed me to pursue more interests, um, whether via the podcast or, or elsewise. Yeah, I think that's definitely, you, you said that you thought it was, you know, just your own stuff that you're bringing to it, but that probably resonates with most of our listeners, anyone who's ever been unemployed, mm-hmm. that feeling of like, oh God, what am I doing unless I'm spending the next eight hours cruising on Indeed and <laughs> filling stuff out. Like cruising on anything. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. For sure. <laughs> you know, whatever time you're not spending looking for your next job is time wasted and it's it's a toll. It's taxing. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, being unemployed is, is depressing enough. The process of applying to these jobs is depressing. Yeah. Like filling out, uploading your resume and then filling out a form with the exact same uh... details on your resume, which <laughs> they do just to get you to quit. Like the idea is to get you to quit uh... and, and not apply because uh... that's one less application they have to read through. Dumb. Uh, you know, it is a it is a mentally draining uh position to be in especially those first couple of weeks of unemployment yeah you got to find a way to fill your days mm-hmm. and and you want to fill your days looking for looking for work yeah uh and if that doesn't happen immediately you can like fall off that cliff real fast mm. so i think it's good that you found like an outlet here uh but about three weeks into unemployment it took me 45 minutes to decide to eat lunch huh <laughs> like, interesting just found myself standing outside of my house deciding what to do oh, no. <laughs> and that's that's very clearly that, that that's clearly a depression thing yeah yeah uh, uh-huh. sure uh and I think I think that everyone kind of goes through it. That's why I started this podcast because I want you know people to know you're not alone in this. Yeah, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. You know, 
All right, so for people who are going through this, who are in kind of a similar position to you, what what advice are you going to tell people uh, that are listening to this and who are, you know, maybe they're two months along, maybe they're nine months mm. along in their in their job search? What can you tell people from your experience? What can I tell people? Um, I think I, I I was sort of thinking of this as as um as you were just talking about your own experience, a a thing that has been really good for me in general in my life, but especially with having all of this time and being unemployed is having like a solid morning routine, like wait, still waking up at a, you know, a sane hour. Um, I, I tend to, um, I've been slacking on it recently, but I tend to, uh, wake up, do some yoga, um, meditate, eat, um, read articles on, on sites. So usually medium or technically, um, and then do my Duolingo French. Um, and, and that's just, it's just a great way to sort of set your mind up for the day to feel like you've already sort of accomplished something to, um, give more of a structure to the day. Cause I feel like if, you know, you sort of just, wake up in your bed and maybe you check your phone for a while and then you just sort of morph on over to the couch and then it's like Netflix slash Indeed slash LinkedIn slash more Netflix. Um, like there's, it's, I think that is, um, just breeding grounds for depression and for, you know, um, getting into a funk or, you know, stalling out in your search. Um, so that's been really helpful for me. And I think, yeah, I think just the best thing is that like, you're, I think that hiring, at least in my experience in Philly, I think that there, and the reason why I wrote the, the article that we were talking about earlier is that like, I think that there's a lot wrong on the other side. I think a lot of times when you're unemployed and you're looking for a job and a rejection happens or like you never hear back from the company, you're like, oh, it just comes back on you. You're just like, oh, I'm bad or I'm like not good enough at this or I'm not likable enough or whatever. Like you put it on yourself or people tend to. But I think that there is a lot that people on the hiring side need to figure out, um, especially in the Philly tech world. Um, so I think that that was helpful to sort of own personally um, to take some of the blame or, yeah, I guess blame. I'll say blame off of, off of my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you for establishing that routine, by the way. I went straight into college student hours. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I absolutely did the, uh, the wake up at 10 o'clock, eat cereal for three meals a day for a little while upon, upon unemployment. And I'm 30 years oh, old. Oh, no. I, can't do that. <laughs> I, I am actually, I'm like slightly jealous. Like, I'm sure that this is, is, is probably easier for me. I am, am totally a morning person. It is, almost impossible for me to sleep in. Um, I'm the lightest sleeper. And so I think that just sort of sets you up for, um, needing some sort of morning routine. But, uh, but yeah, you, you know what, it, you know what it was for me? I realized that if I get to the gym about nine fifteen, mm. no one is there. Yeah. Oh, that's There's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So going to the gym became my thing. I'm like, all right, I'm going to show up to the gym Right when everybody else goes to work. Yeah. 
And so that's that's how I've taken. So that way I can say, if nothing else today, at least I went to the gym. Yeah. Although I haven't been to the gym in about two weeks. Uh, I, was... <laughs> I, won't, I won't lie. All right. That's fine. Rachel, where, where can people find you on the internet? On the internet. Um, I am, so, uh, my podcast is, uh, is putting out podcast with, uh, dot com. Uh, so that's putting out with Rachel. Um, on Instagram, I'm on all the things. Instagram is putting out podcast. Twitter is putting out pod. Uh, what are other things? That people find. Oh, if you want to um, email, get in touch, you can do the putting out podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and if you are in the Philadelphia area looking for a tech writer or a project manager or a QA analyst or anything along those lines that we've talked about, uh, we will put Rachel's LinkedIn profile in the uh, the description yeah. of this show so you can take a look at that. Rachel, thank you so much for being on the show with us. Awesome. Today. Thank you so much. 